Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to the Thriving Leader Podcast, a podcast to help you thrive wherever you lead, whether at home, at work, or beyond. I'm Abe Pfeiffer, lead pastor at New Life Church in Frederick, Maryland, and we believe that God has designed us to be people of influence, and that happens as we lean into Him and each other. So each month, uh, we're going to be providing content to help that happen in your life. And this month, we have the president of the Foursquare Church, uh, Randy Remington, with us to talk about prayer in the life of a leader. And I have with me today my co-host, uh, Dominic Scott. Dom, what do you think of this, this interview? I, I think this is a great first inaugural podcast interviewee. Uh, I love uh, Pastor Randy, his responses, and how you know it doesn't matter where you are in your leadership, everyone could use uh, some good prayer habits and a lifestyle. So I think it, this will be very beneficial mm-hmm. to a lot of people in a lot of different areas. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it is. It is so interesting to uh, to think about how uh, prayer is something that everyone knows about, and uh, even people who are outside of the church maybe wouldn't even consider themselves to be Christians. Still, at some level, uh, statistics say they eighty uh, percent of Americans say they pray at least uh, once a month, and and so. We've got uh, a lot of people out there that at some level know about prayer, but I think maybe live a little unaware of how Mm. uh, central it can be to growing as a leader and even growing uh, as a person of faith. Absolutely. So I'm excited to jump into this interview. Let's go ahead and jump into it today. All right, let's do it. Pastor Andy, it's great to have you with us here today. Uh, on the Thriving Leaders podcast, and we just would love to open up a conversation with you here today focused on prayer in the life of a leader. Uh, and uh, as yeah. the president of the Foursquare Church, but a longtime pastor, uh, we know that this is a big part of your life. And so, uh, welcome. Thank you. It's great to uh, be included, especially on the inaugural podcast, the uh, the inaugural um, episode here. Thank you for the privilege. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, with me, yeah, here's Dom Scott, uh, who is my co-host here. We're uh, getting to jump into this together. And Dom, great to have you here with us. Anything you want to say as we open up? Yeah, I'm excited for this podcast. I'm very excited that we have the president of the Foursquare Denomination on our inaugural episode. I think it's going to be an awesome conversation. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, you know, let's go ahead and uh, jump in here. Uh, you know, there's obviously here we're in the, as we're recording this in the midst of the Christmas season, but even beyond that, just uh, this time in history in which we live, there's a lot of just stress in the environment and, um, and you know, people can tend to have these reactions uh, in the way that they live, you know, the, the flight, uh, fight, flight, or freeze. And I think for uh, leaders, especially when it comes to just responding to that, um, you know, uh, sometimes the, the response to things that we face can be indicated or informed by, you know, natural reactions. And yet prayer uh, is something that uh, is an opportunity that we have in the life of a leader to respond to those situations. And so what have you found when it comes to just prayer and how it integrates into leadership in that way? Yeah, you know, whatever our default mode is, you know, in any kind of pressing circumstance or um, anything we face, uh, known or unknown that was coming, um, I think is a reflection of where we put our trust, of where we put our faith. And 
for a leader who leads in Jesus's church, uh, you know, as a as a as a leader who is an extension of Jesus's leadership, it seems like it would stand to reason that it would just be a natural uh, default for us to to cry out to the Lord, to listen for His voice, to um, have that be our first response. And you know, the classic statements we it's almost cliche it's been said so much that prayer should be a, a first response not a last resort you know how people would always say well there's nothing left to do but pray you know it's like well you know it's not like we've exhausted every other option and now we should just pray about it but for us you know it, it really is and i i think it's a cultivated response but i also think it's a, a reflection of where we put our faith and trust in, in an indication of our desperateness um, that I I come up short pretty quick. Um, but but Jesus is not limited. You know, there's there's limited uh, limitless options and, and, and resources with him. And so, you know, I just was reading a couple of months ago through in my Bible reading, I hit the book of Nehemiah, you know, and we always say that Nehemiah is the iconic um, leader. And you can look at the book of Nehemiah as a as a way to study leadership and understand um, spiritual leadership and leading in spiritual communities. And really, it's a book of prayer. It's a book of recorded prayers that the book bookends with prayers. Um, forget off the top of my head how many recorded prayers are actually in the book of Nehemiah. But when he inquires as to the condition or the state of Jerusalem, it, it's in pretty bad shape. Um and he's moved. I mean, he's moved viscerally. And and before he responds with any kind of decisiveness or any kind of um, action plan or proposals, he or initiative, he, he just sits in prayer for a season. I mean, he just because you have to have some place where all those emotions are processed, you know, in in a righteous way, so that the motivation, the motivations, even of our heart and our decisions are are rightly motivated but but again moving with the sense of i've heard the lord um there's a direction um i'm not acting impulsively or just out of hubris or my own self-sufficiency but you know when we when we look at the leaders in the scripture you know there's not a disconnect um when there's healthy leadership anyway that we see in the scripture let alone in church history um between somebody's private life of prayer and their public life of ministry. And so if you want to talk about leadership in prayer, you know, the, the, the really the gold standard or the place we look at most, um, in, at least for me initially, I, I, I want Jesus to be the gold standard for leadership for me. Um, and so how did Jesus lead? And he led out of his relationship with Abba. So it's like, I only do what I see the Father doing. It's only, I only say what I hear the Father saying. And so Jesus, out of all the things that we love about Jesus and, and learn from him, first and foremost, he was a man of prayer. He was preeminently a man of prayer to the point where the disciples inquired of him, you know, teach us to pray. It's like, we're Jewish boys. We've been raised and taught to say prayers our whole life, but there's something different between your private life of prayer and your public life of ministry. And it's like they connect the dots between the two. It's like, if we can have your private life of prayer, we can have everything that flows out of it. 
publicly. So a lot of the things they could have asked Jesus to teach them, they could have asked Jesus to teach them how to preach or do miracles or cast out devils or that, but it was revelatory. The question was because as a disciple, it's like, I want to know how to be connected to the father like you are because, because then out of that. So I, I think for, for us in the day that we live, I think calibrating to the heart of our father and to the life in Jesus that we have as a result of a consistent, sustained, maintained prayer life will be the place that we will default to. It'll be the place we draw from. It'll be the place that um, really we look to in those moments, as you said, Pastor Eve, of, of when we, we face those like moments, do we, we fight, do we flee, or you know, do we just freeze? What do we do? Well, hopefully from us, it's faith. Something comes out of, uh, but thus saith the Lord in those moments of a clarity of um, and certainty that comes from from knowing that our Savior's spoken. Yeah, that's really good. I I love that, and I I think there's an illusion in leadership uh, where you can complete tasks, and you know, especially as a leader. In fact, one time I heard uh, a pastor say, and it kind of shook me, but he said, "Um, you don't need Jesus to build a church." And I was like, oh my gosh, what, what do you mean by that? Of course you need Jesus to build a church. And there's, there's this illusion that, uh, you know, if there's, if you see progress, if you see tasks being done, then, then you're, you're doing something, you're building the church. But in fact, we know, and we've seen a lot of different examples of, of large organizations that unfortunately uh, crumbled because there wasn't a prayer life. There wasn't intimate time with Jesus. And so I, I would love to just ask you a, a more personal question, if you don't mind. Um, can you share a time in your leadership journey when a situation could only be solved with prayer? Yeah, I, I've got multitudes of examples, both big and small. And I'll tell you why. I think, um, I think for me, it's, it's really, it's really the only way I know how to lead is out of mm -hmm. prayer. Um, I wished I was more gifted than I am. I wished I was more brilliant than I am. I wished I was more whatever than I am. I, I, I think we're all going to have questions we ask God when we get to heaven. It's kind of like, we're going to get to heaven and say, really, that's it. That's all you gave me. <laughs> it's like zero musical ability. You called me to preach and then gave me a Pee Wee Herman voice. You know, it's like, couldn't have you just like, helped me out. And I look at some of these other leaders that are like 10 talent leaders, you know, and I'm kind of like, yeah, I love Jesus. And that's about all I bring to the table. So um, I think that, so for me, you know, whether it's matters are big or small, um, I just feel like not only praying to discern a direction or to discern a moment, but actually prayer as my way to walk through situations. So it's, it's 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 those moments where we need to change the impossible, but we've we've reached a wall. We've you know it just seems like God, if you do not come through, we're going under. So there are those moments that we have in our stories of our our history, some breakthroughs um, that I could point you back to in terms of building programs or different mm -hmm. um, just practical logistical kind of things or spiritual yeah. dynamic or breakthrough. Or but Jesus prayed about everything. You know, it's like before he picked his leaders, he spent the night in prayer. Before he began public ministry, he spent 40 days in prayer. I mean, you can, every 
every significant and even seemingly insignificant moment in Jesus's life you could you could tie to and connect to um, intentional and prioritized prayer. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's like prayer is about the only thing I got. You know, it's like so if I've been with the Lord, I've heard the Lord or um, I know God is with me as a result of that um, prayer closet, you know, that life in Jesus that is sustained in prayer then come what may. Um, but it's usually where there's these, we need a sense of real clarity about a direction yeah, or in a decision, or we need a provision or we need a breakthrough. You know, those are moments where you want people to be encouraged in their faith and, and be able to say, look what God did. Yeah. Not not look what we schemed or what we planned or what we figured out. Um, you want there to be that undeniable sense of we we're living a life that we need God to show up or we're in trouble. And I think I think that's the cultural moment we're in right now. You know, when when you look at the kind of at the least the the indifference or the disdain that society has towards the church, let alone just the now a culture that overtly seems to be anti-Christ in every way against whatever um, the life in Jesus and the kingdom is all about. Um, that when you just look at issues of morality or just all the other, just it's like if, if we need God's power to break through um, and it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And so I think you, I think you mentioned one of you referenced a second ago about, the implosion that sometimes happens where mm -hmm. somebody's giftedness can take them to a place that their character cannot sustain them in, yeah. you know, but the transformational work of Jesus that prepares us for moments yeah. like this, um, you know, like Daniel in the scripture, that it's kind of like, man, I'm a single young man who's a hostage taken against my own will, dragged into captivity, mm -hmm. thrown into this, foreign and violent and immoral culture and it's kind of like if i'm going to bring anything to this moment it's going to be because i'm desperately seeking god with patterns of consistent prayer to the point where he's like those things made me who i am and if you want me to quit doing that you're just going to have to throw me to the lions and kill me because i will not stop doing that because I, I got nothing outside of that that's good yeah that's really good well you know we uh, the three of us here on on this uh, call here today are all uh, pastors within uh, the Pentecostal tradition, and we've all been raised around that. And uh, and obviously, within that uh, realm, spontaneous prayer is uh, often a common form of uh, prayer. And um, I think sometimes what can happen is uh, that uh, within that if if we start to pray uh, in a way that's different than that, I, I think we don't quite know what to do with that. And I, I just be curious, you know, there's been a, a resurgence of liturgical prayer in these days, you know, I, I've been around some leaders that have started to kind of discover or rediscover that. And I'd just love to hear your thoughts. Do you think uh, liturgical prayer can play a significant role in the life of a leader or ha have you any exposure to that? I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I, Part of me wants to say, okay, that's a that's a personality kind of thing, thing mm -hmm. but it's and I would say, well, I'm not a real contemplative kind of person or personality, and uh, 
as a matter of fact, in my prayer life seems to even be different than all my other ways of my life. You know, I'm way more assertive, mm-hmm. way more, you know, uh, take the mountain kind of person in prayer. Um, but I, I found the more I read and the more, um, I read of church fathers and even just some of the, the books of common prayer and other prayers that are in existence, that there is such richness and depth to a lot of those prayers that almost um, make me a little embarrassed sometimes of the prayers that we hear um, stated and publicly, you know, I guess that the at the end, we want authenticity. We want it to come. We mm-hmm. don't want to just parrot other people's words, but we sing songs other people write and we, you know, there's, there's other aspects of our devotional life that we're aided in and helped by um, those that have gone before us and those who are, Mm -hmm. are, you know, graced and gifted uniquely in those ways. And some people that just have given a lot of thoughtfulness and intentionality. I, I found that when I read prayers, even from our church fathers, that there's, they provoke something in me of a, of an avenue of prayer, of a direction of prayer, and mm. and sometimes even give me new language, kind of verbiage that maybe is fresh, and it just kind yeah. of opens it opens something up for me and to me. So I, I'm not a I don't know that it's my nature. I think it's it's not a right or wrong issue. It's just a difference that I I I don't know that it it's a spiritually engaging thing for me to sit there and read prayers. But if it becomes part of my devotional reading, it informs and affects how I pray. Mm. Um, just as when I'm around other people who are strong men or women of prayer, they impact and influence me. As a matter of fact, I've learned how to pray, you know, by praying with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I yearn for a depth, a richness. Somehow, when sometimes when people open their mouths and they talk or they pray or they speak and you go, that's just coming from coming from a deeper well you know and it's like that's that got forged somewhere you know even when peter said jesus said to peter flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you yeah you're not that smart peter that came from somewhere else besides you (laughs) and and it's like i hear the father's voice and what you just said that that that's revelation that came out of and i'll tell you there's a in our not the most recent church we pastored but the one before that up in washington um there was a, a prayer group I used to have every Saturday night and that we prayed over the Sunday services together. And just, um, it was a team that people that just met with me to pray. And there was this one lady that every time she opened her mouth, I just thought, how do you know Jesus like that? I mean, how, mm-hmm. like that is coming out of an abiding life an indwelling life in Jesus, you know, Jesus. And that's like, you can tell a lot about somebody by the way they pray. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes you're praying with people that just make you nervous. They're like, but God, your word says, and he's like, can you talk to God like that? <laughs> you know, and it's like, um, but you know, it, there, there's people who preach, pray very simply, but they know God, you know, and then there's yeah, other people yeah. that just like, they pray and you don't even feel like their words hit the ceiling, you know? And, mm. and I, I just wanted to be not impressive in prayer, but a prayer that would flow out of the fact that I know, I know, I know Jesus. So, Pastor Randy, speaking speaking of, of praying and what you know, talking about the liturgical prayer and how uh, you've been inspired by by different different people in your life, 
um, when it comes to prayer, I, I would love to know um, who who would you say has had the most instrumental role in your life to help you develop your prayer life? What what relationship growing up or in, in different churches would you say this person has impacted me the most or one of the highest when it comes to my personal prayer life? Yeah, um, I think for um, me personally, I could say I've been discipled in prayer um, by by people I've never met, you know. So for um, one of the biggest books that have impacted my life, The Intercessor um, by Grubb, is his last name, I'm blanking on his first name. Um, it, it profoundly, um, there's a book called Intercessory Prayer by Dutch Sheets that came out in the, the early 90s, I think, um, profoundly impacted me. Then all of Andrew Murray's, obviously, his writings on prayer, but even the recent um, 24-7 prayer movement with like Corey Russell and Peter Gregg. And uh, so I'm really drawn to people. I, it's like, I read a book, uh, I probably read six, seven books of, on prayer uh, a year. Just, it's probably the, the category of book outside of biographies or history that I, that I read the most, um, that I just really want to be in the school of prayer the rest of my life. You know, because when Jesus said, couldn't you tarry for one hour? You know, it's like, it's hard work to pray. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, you got to. And so for me, there's two aspects of prayer. There's the devotional, my prayer closet. When Jesus said in um, Matthew chapter six, go into your room, close the door and pray, you know, and what happens in there in secret, the father will reward openly that he'll, he'll reveal your, your hidden life in prayer. Um, yeah. So to me, that's the easy part of prayer. Honestly, that's my devotional life. That's just me with Jesus at his feet listening. Um, it's intimate, it's transformational. It's, it's like, I can't live without that. Like it's been so hard in this role. My, the lack of rhythm because of all the time changes and different days and schedules that are erratic, that just, like, I feel like I didn't put clothes on in the morning and left the house if I haven't, <laughs> you know, spent that time. But I differentiate between that kind of prayer, that devotional life of just my mm-hmm. my my indwelling life in God, and then the wall, being a watchman on the wall, that intercessory mm-hmm. prayer. Yeah. And so I think I've cultivated and learned to pray intimately just in the school of the spirit through the word and the spirit, you know, but it was the intercessory prayer where I've been most impacted by others. So, so mm-hmm. the writings and books and, and equipping and discipling, but then I also um, could name some names, a, a lady named Charlotte Cronk, um, and a missionary pastor from Malaysia named Eugene Tan, um, pastor Larry Spousta, a man named mm-hmm. Bob Potter, Leaders who included me in their prayer times, yeah. um, who taught me to pray by letting me pray with them. So it wasn't principles of prayer that have really cultivated, especially on the intercessory level, especially when I'm, when I'm intentionally covering systematically and uh, people in prayer and areas of responsibility I'm over in prayer, you know, and people I'm responsible to in prayer. Um, I needed a structure to that. I needed a, a, a plan for that, like the, the intercessory, because that's the hard work, you know, the diligence, the, the praying without ceasing. Jesus taught him that you should always pray and never quit. Be devoted to prayer, watching in it. Um, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, keep on asking. You know, it's, there's this constant encouragement we're given in the scriptures to pray and not cease. You know, it's like we're constantly encouraged to keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. And that's the hard work. 
but there was there's some people that just have a calling it's like their gifts of, in the spirit of intercessory prayer like they're called to be yeah. warriors of prayer and i marvel at those people um but i've learned the most from them as well even though you know i i don't know that i could spend eight hours a day in a prayer closet and have it seem like it's 12 minutes you know like they do you know it's like but just just how they call out to God from the heart, how they, yeah. how they petition heaven, how they come boldly before the throne, how they stand in the gap, you know, and contend for open doors and breakthrough and harvest and, you know, a power in, you know, the message, you know, cause I, I always felt like if my, my prayer life wasn't equal, at least to my preaching preparation, I was going to, I, I was going to stand up there and be nothing, you know, like nothing spiritually dynamic yeah. would occur. So I've, I've rambled all over to basically answer down your question. Um, I'm discipled in prayer primarily through the writings and instructions of others, but I'm really, really, really discipled in prayer also by the people that I pray with. And that's why I think corporate prayer in church is kind of a, a, re, a, a lost art that's being renewed. Mm. Like how do we pray how do we pray corporately as the church gathered like we see in the book of Acts? Because the book of Acts reveals to us, according to Acts chapter two, is that they were a church devoted to prayer. They didn't just pray. Yeah. They were devoted to prayer. Yeah. Um, leaders who were devoted to prayer, according to Acts chapter six, you know, we're not going to neglect the ministry of prayer and the word. Mm -hmm. So, so a prioritized prayer life in the leaders and a devoted prayer life as a congregation. And then we see the breakthroughs that happened um, uh, in, in scripture, in the book of Acts that, you know, I think I said it before that, you know, when I think of the U.S. church today, we're a talking church. And I look at the book of Acts and they were a praying church. Yeah. And um, and the power and so the book of Acts doesn't give us lessons or sermons on about prayer. It basically reveals the effects of a praying church. It shows us what wow. happens when the church yeah. is in prayer. Wow, <clears throat> that's really good. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned in there uh, something about you know the structure of prayer and and you know and, and everything you're saying is so good. And I think there's probably a lot of people that might be listening uh, going, you know, that that sounds great and all, but I. I still don't know what that looks like in my life. And, and I'd just be curious, like, is there a framework that you've learned? I mean, we, we hear the scripture even talk about praying without ceasing. And, mm -hmm. you know, you mentioned you're even in a unique season in your life. And so we have these seasons of our life that they change and, and our commitment levels and activity and all of that can, can adjust and morph. Have you found a framework that mm -hmm. has either been consistent for you or helpful? Yeah. The, you know, differentiating again between what I would just call my own personal prayer closet, um, which is a daily thing for me, you know, so that's, it actually begins. And I say this because I think some people have found that helpful over the years, but it, it, it's something I stumbled on a long, long time ago that I even, the first thing I do in the morning, the very first words out of my mouth is I say, Jesus, I just say his name. Um, yeah. And I do that for several reasons. One is because I want to express my love for him from the minute I wake up, you know, that my life is in him. I live and move and have his very being. But when you speak a name, you know, in the Hebrew context, um, somebody's name was consistent with their person. It's like you invoke their presence when you, 
when you speak their name, you say their name. And so there's no name greater than that name, you know, and I just, it's like it directs my heart from the very first, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the sand. It's like his name will be praised. So it's like, I just trained myself. It's like I turned my heart there. And then I, then I say, and I choose Sandy today too. So the two places my heart chooses is priorities. You know, God, there's no other gods but you, and there's no other person, woman in my life but her. And so it's, it's, um, it just sets my day. So then I always prioritize Jesus presence, my, my, my Bible and some coffee, you know, because um, I think Jesus has been very permissive for me and my abuse of coffee, but uh, it's like Pavlov's dogs, you know, it's like I smell the coffee's paradigm, you know, it's like, it's just trained myself. Um, and usually that has to be early and this isn't original to me, but people call that the power of a place. So you have a practice mm. that's consistent. So this place, so it's almost like you've trained yourself. When I go to that chair, I go to that spot, I go to that place. Um, and us four square pastors, we're good at Bible reading and journaling, but we're not so good at prayer. I found out prayer is where we're, <laughs> we're needing encouragement in. Um, so, so the consistency of that, but when it comes to the other, you know, it's the power of a place. The other is a power of a plan. So like, this, this, the intercessory side of the prayer ministry is work for me. That's that, that, so I, that's where Jesus said, couldn't you pray for an hour? It's kind of like, that's where the distractions come in for me. That's where it's like, and when Samuel said, I'm not going to sin against God by failing to pray for you, that there's a prayerlessness I, I, that, that could be a sin. And I don't want to neglect the responsibility I have to stand in prayer on behalf of my wife and family, on behalf of the church I'm leading or the leaders I'm serving or the community I'm planted in or the, or the very things the scripture calls me to pray for. So I have a simple structure that I have just superimposed upon my week as, as a way that is different than my prayer times in my kind of my prayer closet. The prayer closet, again, is just me and Jesus about what he's wanting to do in me. It's reflection, repentance, adoration. It's just all my um, time with, with him. But the prayer that I do intercessory, I have just a basic structure on Mondays. I pray for local, national, and government, state leaders. The scripture says, pray for those kings and rulers and all those in authority. And I'm like, mm -hmm. that's a direct, emphatic statement. Yeah. And I want to be able to say, I do that. And here's how yeah. I consistently do that. Um, then there's the, on Tuesdays, I pray for all of our four square leaders, churches, pastors. Um, I have a, I have a list and I have a way that I systematically work through our right now by name, our senior pastors. And I'm trying to, and, and sent missionaries, but I'm trying to work that now, including our chaplains and broader ministerium, but there's 8,000 credential ministers. So, so, but, um, to say everyone's by name, that I'm praying by name every day for some of our senior pastors and, and leaders and churches by name. So I pray for every one of our four square churches. And so I have a map, I have a, a list of names that's updated that I, so, and then every day, you know, every time I do that, there's always one or two pastors where the Holy Spirit will just give me a word, give me a set, you know, and I just recently, a name popped up on my rotation and I just sent him a text. I said, I felt like as I was praying for you today, God said this. And they just immediately said, could you call me? And they were mm -hmm. like in the middle of the most, um, like I was shocked to hear what they were facing in the moment. Mm -hmm. And it was like that word spoke to that moment, which allowed for a time of, of together and prayer and ministry. So 
Um, it's, it's a way, it's, it's part of my assignment. I feel like I could pray for, I used to do that with our congregation and in our, the church I pastored. On Wednesday, I pray for my immediate team. I pray for close friends and I pray for every wedding I ever officiated. So I have a manuals, three room binders with copies of the certificates and pictures of people wow. I've done weddings for. And I just feel like I made a covenant with them, you know, before God. So I just, I, I'm, I made a commitment the rest of my life. I'm going to pray for you. I hope they're all married. There's over 300 of them. So I just, weddings have done, so I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping they're all still married. Um, funny thing is you, you get these pictures from weddings 30 years ago, you know, and they're frozen in time in your mind. And then you finally see them again and you're like, Whoa, you know, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> or at least that's probably what they think of when they look at me, like, Whoa, what happened to you? Um, on Thursday, I pray for our staff. Um, that I lead as our Foursquare staff and all the different departments and areas. And then on Friday, I pray for all of our global area directors, um, missionaries, regions of the world. I have a structured way I pray through through that as well. Um, Sundays and Saturdays are Sandy and I praying with each other for each other. Um, uh, so it's it's loose. It gives me, I, those are bases I feel like I need to consistently check, you know, in terms of just coverage. And, and I do, I just, uh, you know, there's there's some days where they'll just have me land on a certain area of our team to be praying, you know, and I'll feel an urgency in that. So I think the power of a place and the power of a plan are, are really helpful when it comes to cultivating a consistency in prayer, you know, a discipline in prayer, a devotion to prayer, a practice of prayer. So funny thing, when I was initially being discipled at, at 18, um, I remember, you know, going on this journey of, of discipleship and of prayer and learning how to spend time with Jesus. I learned how to do, you know, the soap devotional. That was the, the first style of devotions that I learned to do. But I quickly realized uh, that I was actually afraid to pray. And the reason why we, we actually, the executive pastor at New Life and myself, we actually did a survey for some young adults. And we found that most of them wanted to learn how to hear from God. And oddly enough, when I was their age, I was actually afraid to pray because of what I could hear from God. And I would be afraid that God would just tell me something that I didn't want to do. And I realized that part of part of that fear was that I didn't know how to differentiate my voice from God's voice. And my question would be, you know, especially for leaders, leaders, a lot of times are visionaries, and they have a lot of different ideas and things that come to their hearts and their minds. How, how would you say? Um, what, how does prayer help you differentiate between what you're sensing from God and what is simply an idea in your mind? When Jesus said in Matthew six, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything else will be added to you. Um, if I'm not seeking first, then how am I going to really know what's important, what really mm. matters, you know, if I'm not first getting that that put in place? Because everything else is going to flow out of that, seeking first the kingdom. And one thing I've desired, and not will I seek after, Mary has chosen the better thing. You know, it's like mm -hmm. we see this continual prioritization of what comes first and then everything that flows out of whatever that is. And it's kind of like the shirt, you know, if you don't get that top button right, every other button's off, you know, it's like no matter, yeah. you know, um, you don't stand a chance. So um, that 
that when Jesus told his disciples, you should always pray and never quit. You know, it's kind of like, all right, if I'm not praying, I'm probably quitting. <laughs> you know, like I'm either doing one of the two, I'm praying or quitting. But I, I do think for me, when I've spent time in in the presence of Jesus every morning through the word and in worship and in waiting um, and in my own heart pouring out, um, there usually is a, a be still and know that I'm God moment almost with, with consistency. And I've learned to extrapolate that which is just my own emotion and that which mm -hmm. is my own flesh and that which is my own even intellect in, in mindset. Yeah. Um, I think the being consistently in the word is, is certainly part of that, you know, mm -hmm. that, that it, it bears witness to, you know, you can discern that voice. Usually it's still, and usually it's small. And, you know, we hear the thing, God comes in a whisper and not a shout. And, um, yeah. but I do, I do think discernment comes from those times where we're sitting with and waiting on. And then is it's not often that I hear God speak as clear in those moments. It's in the other moments. It's like, mm -hmm. while I'm listening to somebody, I'm on a phone call with somebody or somebody sitting with somebody and they're pouring out their heart and I'll hear the Lord say, like, for me, it's like the words of knowledge and prophecies I get tend to be sitting mm -hmm. in restaurants with the person serving us or, you know, in a public setting, you know, and it's yeah. like hearing, hearing his voice. I often say the Holy Spirit's, my wife's voice and the Holy Spirit's voice often sound very much the same. <laughs> they are eerily similar. <laughs> so I know that we can discern God's voice in, in a multiplicity of ways. Yeah. I do think it is unique to each one of us, how I hear the Lord is this is not necessarily prescriptive for you and how you have to hear the Lord, but we better mm -hmm. know that we know our shepherd's voice because that's what we have faith for. What we've heard him say, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Lord. I actually asked that question a lot. I used to say, tell me about your prayer life when I sit with pastors. Yeah. And that felt so condemning and shaming. So I stopped asking that. And so now I say, what are you hearing God say? What's God saying to yeah. you these days? I had one guy recently say, I don't know. I'm not listening. Like I, like I'm, I don't want to hear what God might say, you know, in that regard. Yeah. But, but uh, no, I think, um, obedience is better than sacrifice. And the one who hears my word and doesn't obeys it mm -hmm. is the one who builds their house on a rock yeah. and, and can withstand whatever comes. Like, I don't know, but I've heard the Lord. Like, I don't yeah. understand all this, but I know we're doing what God said. And there's a stability that comes because of that. You know, I'm, I'm unshakable. Um, if my life is just always kind of like I'm about ready to be undone, it's like, well, what am I standing on here? Am I standing on something I've heard the Lord say, or am I just standing on, well, we threw jello in the wall and hope it stuck, you know? And so, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. We're going into this upcoming, uh, year in January, uh, in fact, this podcast will release, We'll be launching 21 Days of Prayer uh, at our church here at New Life in partnership mm -hmm. also with the Foursquare Church uh, nationally and I think even globally. And uh, there's this incredible workbook uh, or prayer really journal that you guys have provided that uh, helps guide us through that. And uh, the title I can see here on the cover is Praying the Word. Uh, 
what are you, you know, and we, here at New Life, we've done 21 days of prayer for <laughs> pretty much every year that I've been here, at least a couple mm-hmm. of times a year. And so what would you say to uh, the leader, whether they're a leader within the, in, in the life of the church or even in the community, in the marketplace somehow, what would you say that you uh, are hoping and contending um, would become true of them and their prayer lives through this 21 days of prayer? Yeah, the first goal is always depth, you know, deepening our roots into the to the life of Jesus and the word and uh, a faith that rises out of that. Um, I don't know what 24 is going to hold. You know, it's an election year and that gets nobody thrilled. And, um, you know, and let alone economically, the uncertainty and uncontrollable nature of circumstances and People are just on edge, you know, there's an anxiousness. Um, And the idea of praying um, the word is an establishing of our our life in something eternal. You know, my word will not return void, but the heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will last forever. Mm -hmm. And that in this season that, you know, we're looking at scriptures, obviously praying the word, but but not just quoting scriptures, but taking the essence. And as we meditate and think on those words, they become forged into the fabric of our life and come out of our mouth. So what you believe in your heart, you speak with your mouth, you know? So there's a, Mm -hmm. you know, it's with the heart that one believes and it's with the mouth that one speaks, you know? And so there's something about what happens in the heart and is spoken with the mouth that brings um, this uniting together. And so that's why we are to be careful about what we say and how we talk and, but, but the headwaters of those words are the heart. So I have hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. But when I look in the scriptures and, you know, like Mary, we're at Christmas right now. And the angel shows up to Mary and says the most ridiculous, um, craziest thing that could possibly be said to any human being, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I mean, how does Mary show up to her family and friends and go, hey, you know, when the scripture says, behold, the virgin shall conceive and give, you know, the that's me. Um, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's like, you're crazy. Like how, how do you, and, and yet when, when Mary breaks out in her song, you know, that we call Mary's, um, Magnificat or the song that she sings in faith, it just oozes with the scripture. It's just like mm-hmm. the word yeah. comes out of her. Um, Jesus on the cross, you know, the word is just coming out of him. And when we look at the examples in scripture, whether it's Nehemiah, whether it's David, or whether it's um, uh, Daniel or whoever, that there would be, um, you could tell that you see the correlation between what is in the, you know, the scriptural truth forged into their life and that which is coming out of them in pressing moments. So we believe the word shapes and the word has power and it's living and active and Mm-hmm. So I really believe that if the word, um, you know, prayers that originate in heaven, the word, you know, are heard in heaven. So it's like those things that we say that, that are really literally God's word back. But hopefully as we're saying that, that word, you know, takes deeper root in our own heart and bears fruit. But I, it's my prayer that would be transformed through the spirit and the word um, that we would that we would find a, a a life in prayer and in the word that will transcend 21 days. It'll become habitual for us. It'll become 
desirous for us that it'll become. And hopefully we'll see, hear the stories and see the evidence of those times of prayer. But I think when we pray together in a concentrated season, everybody's agreeing together. It's like when the scripture talks about the bowl in heaven and revelation, you know, five about the prayers of the saints accumulating in heaven and they reach this tipping point where they're mixed with the fire of the altar and just poured back on the earth. So, so much of the shaking and the breaking and the moving that we see in the world today isn't just the result of circumstances or the enemy at work. They're the result of the prayers of the saints over time, compounding and being enacted out on the earth. So I'm curious, you know, I, I, I'm a, I'm a youth pastor now and I'm loving it. And it's, 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 uh, it's life-giving to me. There's there's healthy challenges for it for me. And one of the biggest things that we communicate to our to our middle schoolers and high schoolers is how to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And I find it often that uh, students can feel intimidated by prayer because it's always something that's quantified. It's always, oh, I got to pray for this long. I don't know what to say. I, I feel awkward. <laughs> but I, w- I would love to know, like in your experience, uh, in your youth pastor years, and even now, how do you encourage the, the the teenager? How do you encourage the young adult to to really build in, in their prayer life? Well, when they think they don't have the time for it. Just have them uh, take a half hour off their daily phone use, and man, it'll be amazing how much time she was there. The uh, that's for sure. <laughs> the so. Going back to when I was a youth pastor with Larry and Spasta in Salem, um, Pastor Larry had a consistent prayer time he had in the sanctuary. And and I kind of invited myself in um, to join him in those at, at those times with some frequency of consistency. And, and he welcomed that. I, I was really thankful for that. He didn't say, hey, you know, beat it. This is my, my time with Jesus. And so he... He allowed me to join in him with him in those prayer prayer mm-hmm. moments. But then he also would, you know, I was probably the young, annoying leader that doing what I you know, thought I was supposed to. Now I realize I was probably just annoying, but like, hey, tell me about this. And how many, what books have you read? And, you know, it's like, um, but I did. He was very free to share out of his own journey and his own life. And, you know, it was really shaping for me. So I found that I would try to do that with our students, you know, like, mm-hmm you know, like, hey, find a starting point, you know, um, instead of just starting out at an hour, start with five minutes, you know, can you, mm-hmm. but but try to find a, a consistency of practice. And then the prioritization of prayer when they would, with whatever our discipleship track we had with our students is that they voluntarily entered into or a leadership development team within the youth department or with youth, um, that prayer was taught and modeled as a practice, you know, not just a token, yeah. like you're praying before you eat, you know, it's like, yeah. th- this is central to us. This is central to our effectiveness and our fruitfulness and any kind of missional impact um, as a result of us seeking God together. Um, mm-hmm. So I think whatever you can do to practically yeah. equip them and then anticipate the hurdles and the barriers to prayer, like, um, does it matter? Does it make a difference? How do I know this is effective? You know, um, the distractions, um, my prayer life ebbs and flows. It seems like with my passion for Jesus, you know, so it's kind of like if I'm lo- losing my first love, prayer is going to be the first, um, dash like blinking. It's going to be the first thing to go. You know, Peter Gregg said something that 
I wished I would have came up with, but I didn't, um, but it mm-hmm. captures my, my, my thoughts and heart on it. But he said, people always say, man, you're so into prayer. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm into Jesus. I'm not into prayer, wow. you know, yeah. but because I love Jesus, I want to spend time with Jesus. I would love yeah. Jesus. I want to talk to Jesus, you know? So, um, so what, what could cultivate first and foremost, that, that love, that first love, I just, and mm. I remember Amy Simpleman first and once in one of her writings or sermons as a matter of fact more than once she talked about the power of the holy spirit in her life Mm. being primarily responsible for two things for her because we always think of the power of the holy spirit as being you know dynamism and charisma and she said that the, the holy spirit keeps me in love with jesus and the holy spirit keeps me passionately focused on the lost you know that that the Holy Spirit produced those, you know, why she so needed the power and the working of the Holy Spirit. Cause the Holy Spirit just kept her, her heart in love with Jesus and the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. kept her heart fervently, you know, passionate about people who yeah. yet to know Jesus. So, um, you know, I, I think kids baptizing the Holy Spirit, you know, for me that as a 16 year old, that, that radically altered my life as I got baptized mm-hmm. in the Holy Spirit as a 16 year old, you know, and then, so even praying in the spirit or praying in tongues was part of that practice from my early, my early years in ministry and part of the ways you pray without ceasing, you know, and it's kind of my yeah. default mode in prayer, you know, back to your original question, Pastor Abe, about mm-hmm. fight, fight or flee, freeze, you know, mm-hmm. fight, flight or freeze. And it's, it's a lot of my default is I just start praying in tongues, you know, an ambulance goes yeah. by, you just start, you don't even know you're doing it. You know, it's just like, wow. it's, it's, it's a way that it's prayers arising from my spirit. My head is still engaged in whatever I'm engaged in. And so I'm doing both. And I'm always intrigued by the apostle Paul's statement about, I pray in tongues more than all of you. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. what a, could you imagine walking into a room and like, I pray in tongues more than you. And I pray in tongues more than <laughs> you. And I pray in tongues more than you. You know, that's like, but basically underscoring what an important part of his prayer life that was and it's mm. it's just one of the gifts that the spirit gives us and enabling us to even pray when we don't even know how to pray or what to pray for mm. so love that thank you i don't know yeah. I, I mean i would recommend peter greg's book on prayer i think it's just called how to pray or <laughs> is the, the name of it so it's it's profound in its simplicity but it's a great i think it would be a great book for students you know, because it's just so practical and equipping. It's not formulaic, even though I th- think it lays out a strategy, but there's there's a difference between, you know, a formula versus this is a life-giving structure that helps me, you know. Yeah. One, one more thing that's just been on my heart kind of as we've been talking, I've been thinking about just a number of leaders that I've spoken to both within our own church context and, and even other pastors in other parts of uh, uh, the nation and uh, that that I would probably describe as dry and disillusioned, uh, and so the the prospect of prayer for them um, isn't necessarily one that invigorates them at this point. And I would just be curious, what would you say to the person that that might feel like they fit within that that category right now? Maybe just feeling dry and disillusioned, and maybe you know, even then when they hear the announcement of twenty one days of prayer and fasting, they kind of just look the other direction or, you know, look at their phone and <laughs> try to just kind of skip past it. What, what would you say to them? 
Yeah, I mean, it's easy to become weary or cynical or, um, you know, and I wouldn't cast any um, shame or condemnation on anybody in regards to that. But in, a, in Ephesians 2, you know, where, not Ephesians 2, I'm sorry, the Church of Ephesus in Revelation 2, where Jesus said to a church that had lost their foot first love, he said, remember the heights to which you fall and repent and do those things you did at first. And, and there was an action of just recalling, like, what was it like? I mean, most of us got into ministry because we love Jesus, you know, and I just wanted to love and follow Jesus and love and following Jesus. I ended up here, you know, I don't know a ton of people who just started out with, I could be a doctor, I could be an engineer, I could be a pastor. You know, it's like, I think I'll pursue that course. Most of us are where we're at is because we follow Jesus and he'll let us here. You know, and so that's what got us in the game to begin with. And and I, I remember when I, you know, even though I was raised in a, a, a church my whole life as a pastor's kid, it really wasn't until I was baptized in the Holy Spirit as a junior. Like I said, it was almost like born again for me. It's like, it's like... Black and white became color, you know, it was like um, the whole, everything opened up spiritually to me in a way that was new and I couldn't get enough of the word and I just loved Jesus. And so, so I kind of started out with this passionate hunger and pursuit of, of Jesus. I'm going to seek after, I'm going to pursue him. And then ministry flows out of that. So remember, what was that like? Remember what it was like when you loved Jesus. Remember what it was like? It was just you and him. It wasn't with, you're not bearing up under the burdens of the responsibility of the church and overseeing stuff. You just, it's kind of like, I hope I would be if I was just pumping gas tomorrow. You know, if God says, okay, you're done in this role and I want you to pump gas at the Chevron station. All right. Hopefully it wouldn't alter one bit about, you know. Yeah. My life, because my life is just rooted first and foremost, my identity as a child of God and a son of God. I want, remember that. Remember who you are. Remember where you've come from. Remember your beginnings. And then repent. And the idea of repentance is, you know, we've turned our face from God. God hasn't turned his face from us. God hasn't gone anywhere. We're the ones that are like, hey, come back. He wants you back. You know? Um, and and kind of reorient yourself or orient yourself around that. And then the third thing is do those things that you did at first. So what if we went back to the beginning? It's kind of like in our marriages. Um, you know, we know that connection precedes production. Um, mm. We we try to produce stuff that it's like Jesus is telling the church of Ephesus, all this good fruit has come out of your connection with me, but now you're neglecting the very intimacy that produced the life. So go back and do this stuff again. Um, it's kind of like, in my marriage, you know, we think we we want our marriage to do all of this, but it flows out of connection. If I don't give attention to and priority to my connection with Sandy, nothing good's going to flow out of that. And so, yeah. so, so, what did those things I did at first with her? You know, my thoughtfulness, my consideration, my patience, my kindness, my attentiveness, my creativity—all the things that I poured into the relationship early on. What if I did that again? that renew and rekindle first love so so do those things you did at first you know what is it when my life is aflame with love for jesus i couldn't get enough um in this present what are those things i did then like mm -hmm. 
cut through everything else and all the demands, all the pressures, all the responsibilities, all those Sundays just keep coming, you know, and people are listening to that sermon and comparing it with your sermon and, you know, all those things that we just labor under. And we set all that aside and just like, what did I do at first? I, I just couldn't get enough of worship. I couldn't get enough of, and just began to redig those wells because if I'm trying to do this as a means to an end only, it'll just be another lifeless formulaic approach. But if it's life giving, it's pulsating, it's, it's, it's this organic intimate, this me and Jesus. And then out of this is going to flow yeah. everything else. And go back to the beginning. So remember, repent, return, do those things you did first. Pastor Andy, thanks so much for being on here with us today. And again, for those who want to join us uh, in 21 Days of Prayer, there's uh, ways online. You can subscribe on uh, through our New Life website. Uh, you can also go to foursquare.org. You can sus- subscribe to the um, to the communications there. Um, at, at New Life Church, we have uh, a number of these hard copies of this uh, prayer guide that you can uh, pick up, or you, we even have a PDF available, and I think that's available on Foursquare's website as well. So we hope you can join us for this time. But Pastor Randy, is there anything that you would uh, just speak over uh, any leader who's listening to this uh, today, and just what 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 would you say to just encourage uh, them today before we're done? Yeah, whatever context you're leading in, whether it's in the marketplace, maybe it's in government, um, maybe it's in a sports league, or in your very own home um, as a parent, uh, as a spouse, as even leading your own self. Um, that I would encourage you that the priority of prayer um, will allow you to draw from and have access to something that's way beyond yourself. Um, there's there's something inexhaustible about the life of the Spirit within you. And um, just as when the angel said to Mary, with God all things are possible, um, you know, that... That, that with us, there are a lot of things that are not possible, but with God, all things are possible. And so to live kind of a spiritually capacitated, miraculously capacitated life is going to flow out of that, that life in prayer. To see that as a priority and not just as a, a, a box to check of duty or obligation, but it really is foundational and a priority. I just love the fact that when I read like the Apostle Paul, Almost every one of his letters or epistles, he comes out of the blocks with, I'm praying for you. It's like, for some reason, he felt like it was important for the people he was leading to know that he was praying for them. Yeah, And here's how I'm praying for you. I'm praying that your eyes would be open to the heights, the wits, the love. You know, he would just constantly just, this is how I'm praying for you. And then oftentimes at the end of his letters, he would say, and would you pray for me? You know, pray that the gospel would not know limitations of the doors would open and those who oppose me would be brought, you know, very specific, even requests for partnership in prayer. But um, we were limited by our own strength, but when we partner with God and especially as prayer is that partnership, we can do what God says we can do. Um, we're, we're capable of doing what God can do. So um, I just want to encourage you to, to uh, don't grow weary um, in your 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 diligence and your pursuit of knowing Jesus through prayer, but also on behalf of others, being a place of intercession and um, 
steadfastness, the very life of Jesus himself. He's at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for us. You know, the very life of Jesus right now is, is, is standing on our behalf in prayer. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being on mm-hmm. here today. And uh, we look forward to praying with you over these next 21 days. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. It was a it was a joy to be with you guys, and I'm encouraged by um, your priority and your commitment to leading um, out of a life in Jesus that's cultivated in prayer. Mm-hmm.